why is everybody so focused on the bragging and the thorn in the side when there's clearly an alien abduction that's happening here? <laughs> Hi friends, this is Under God. I'm Isaiah Lewis. And I'm Jackie Newsom. And we are two outsiders who are coming together to question the text and build community together. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Lord, 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 Lord. If it's Jesus. Um, welcome to this episode update since all of our listeners know all my business at this point. Um, while Trinity is still in retirement, perhaps indefinitely, honestly, I really enjoyed my pole dancing days, but I'm in physical therapy and I don't know if I'm ready to risk it all. Uh, anyway, I am recording from under a tent. My back feels so much better. Shout out to Jesus and physical therapy. Um, not a shout out to the American healthcare system, but you know, God makes way. Anyway, we talk about the Bible here. Uh, <laughs> Lectio Divina, we, uh, it's a prayer practice. It helps us center ourselves. It helps us be in community with one another. It helps us think through, uh, what the two of us believe to be a sacred text it helps us sharpen our theology skills since we are experts. We are masters in divinity, actually. <laughs> um, but it's really great. You can listen to this while you're doing something, while you're sitting still. If you're looking for just like a way to meditate, to be with yourself, uh, to have some sort of intellectual exploration, if you're missing that, I think this can do all of those things. Lectio Divina, yeah, it's just a prayer practice. So we read the text, we call out um, words and phrases, we read it again. You all will not hear the second reading for the sake of time. We talk about context. Um, we often preach a sermon and then we get out of here. Um, why, why should people listen to this podcast, Isaiah? What do we do? What do we give? Yeah, why do you, why do you even record? I record this podcast because talking with you is something that continually deepens and shapes my faith. Um, I need to be in relationship with other people, um, people that I trust and care about and whose, whose faith lights the way for mine, right? And I think that listening to this podcast hopefully um, provides people with an opportunity to kind of explore their own faith um, and see the ways in which their own questions and their own relationships with other people. Hopefully you're listening with someone else or have the opportunity to talk to somebody else about, you know, your thoughts that, that rise up from our conversations, that those relationships and those questions can, uh, can also be a path towards deepening the spirituality, whatever that looks like for you. That was beautiful. I want to listen now. <laughs> so what did you pick this week and what are some of your thoughts around it? So as you well know, what we do here at Under God is decide what parts of the lectionary we're actually going to follow. So we, I picked the le from the lectionary choices, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 10, 
we will read those portions, but not because I want to, just because I feel like we have to give the whole whole context or a little bit more context. I, I mean, the big part of this is the thorn in the side. And I picked it because I want to talk about whether this is bad theology, mm. uh, frankly. On bad days, I remember a time in my life where I would turn to the scripture and be like, God's grace is sufficient, right? Like my weakness is what makes me strong. There's a thorn in my side and I asked God to remove it and God wouldn't remove it. And it's like, yeah, that it's just a reminder. It'd make me humble. Like this pain is like good. And it's like, and now I'm like, ah. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just want to talk through like, what is, what is this? And is there, mm -hmm. is there any good in it? And like, yeah, how should I think about it? it? Cause it's just, yeah, it's one of those heart texts. It's one of those things that, man, I'm telling you that in like 2015, 2016, this was my scripture. This was my jam. And now I'm like, wait, I don't know that I want people to think that, that there has to be pain in order for like God to show up. Right. Or there's mm -hmm. like God creates or or causes the yeah I don't know I just want to talk through it so that's why I picked it thank you for that because I think part you know we talk about context and um like you said we do some choosing here and so it's always helpful to know like what brings um what brings each of us what what peaks our interest um in the text each week I think so I will give it a read um, and then we'll dive in and uh, hopefully, hopefully get some understanding. I don't know. We'll see. Never know what's going to happen. Second Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse two, we're reading from the CEB version. I know a man in Christ who was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. I don't know whether it was in the body or out of the body. God knows. I know that this man was caught up into paradise and that he heard unspeakable words that were things no one is allowed to repeat. I don't know whether it was in the body or apart from the body. God knows. I'll brag about this man, but I won't brag about myself, except to brag about my weaknesses. If I did want to brag, I wouldn't make a fool of myself because I'd tell the truth. I'm holding back from bragging so that no one will give me any more credit than what anyone sees or hears about me. I was given a thorn in my body because of the outstanding revelations I've received so that I wouldn't be conceited. It was a messenger from Satan sent to torment me so that I wouldn't be conceited. I pleaded with the Lord three times for it to leave me alone. The Lord said to me, my grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness. So I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. Therefore, I'm all right with weaknesses, insults, disasters, harassments, and stressful situations for the sake of Christ. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
So now it's time for some words and phrases, right? Yeah. I um I want to read quickly the NIV. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but the Lord said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm. So I delight, I delight in weakness. Yeah. Therefore, I will boast all the more about weakness thank you for that thank you for the translation for the niv translation to keep me from becoming conceited i'm conceited i got a reason hashtag (laughs) remy ma that used to be a jam remy said um what'd she say here are so i pulled up the lyrics since we can't play the song now who's that peeking in my window Nobody, because I live in a penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really, yeah, I love this song, but like, I don't know why that line is just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to brag, but <laughs> when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm. And this, in the NIV, it's, it's more, um, it says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, that my being God. Whereas in the CB, it's, um, and it's like red, you know, they do like the red when it's like the Lord speaking. Whereas in the CB, verse eight, right? It's my grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness, not my power. Yeah, that's a, important uh difference there the three times pleaded the 14 years ago thing like the numbers stood out to me Mm. unspeakable words Mm. stood out to me and then this repetition of i don't know god knows i don't know Mm -hmm. god knows yeah, um, this this idea so that I wouldn't be conceited. I mean, the whole sort of refrain, like, I'm not going to brag, but if I did brag, <laughs> like, all right, Paul, relax, bro. Yeah, but if I did brag, here's what I would brag about. But I'm not going to brag, though. It's like, okay. So, I mean, for listeners who've been listening for a while now, you know that I have feels about Paul. They're inconsistent, but whatever. I have feelings about Paul. Paul has feelings and they are also inconsistent. So That is true. Thank <laughs> you. That is, that is a word. So what stood out to me that second time was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Paul's so humble. 
also um, this whole um, two through the end of five. So what exactly does Paul know? Like, it's a whole lot he don't know. And mm-hmm. so I'm confused, right? It's like, well, how do you know what you do know? Do you actually know this man? Right. Yeah. So because how do you know? How do you not know if it was in the body or out of the body? Like, how do you only know bits and pieces? Did you talk to the man? Because I just feel like my lawyer is turned on because it's like, remember, this is somebody who talks a whole lot about what Jesus requires or about what God requires, but never met Jesus. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like didn't walk with the disciples. Like Paul, like, let's remember, Paul is not a disciple in the sense of like the people who were like making the fish and the bread and stuff. He wasn't there. Right. So I, so he is someone who is willing to talk a whole lot about something that he may not actually know about. So it's like, well, so you don't know if it's in the body or out of the body. I don't know what that means. I took it to mean like, is this a spiritual experience or like a physical experience, but you know the man and you know what happened 14 years ago? How? Houseway? Yeah. So this is something that I really stressed me out when we first read this piece. Like, I mean, when, when, when you texted me that this was what we were reading, this, that part really stressed me out because I was like, why is everybody so focused on the bragging and the thorn in the side when there's clearly an alien abduction that's happening here? <laughs> like, that's what we need to be focusing on here. But the commentaries that I was reading were like, oh, yeah, he's being clever. This is actually him that he's talking about. Like, he's talking about his own mystical experience. But he's saying that that's not important. What's really important is the here and now. And so, like, he's adding even more distance by saying, I know a man that this mystical experience happened to when it's actually, like, it happened to me. I'm bragging about it. But, like, I'm not bragging about it because maybe it's not me. Humble brag, humble brag. Exactly. Paul, you're annoying, bro. It's true. But I can see that, right? Because so is this a telling of how he like came to experience? No, what is what was he on the road to Damascus? How does he how does he first stop like shanking people? Yeah, on the road to Damascus, he had what was it he went blind and heard god heard heard jesus is that what happened or was it that he saw jesus and then went blind one of those because i'm thinking about in pacini's class there was like i'm thinking about the art of the people walking so it's like there's jesus him but i feel like there was another person yeah but the point is, so he's saying he had that experience and he had this, this divine experience where, yeah. he, where he saw things that he can't even talk about. To the third heaven. And that makes me have questions too. I mean, it makes me think of like the Mormons where there are these different levels of heaven that you can get to if you're a certain rank of Mormon. Um, but we don't hear about different levels of heaven in the bible really Mm -hmm. like i've never heard of that aside from this passage like 
Oh yeah, the third heaven as opposed to the second heaven or the mm-hmm. ninth heaven. Mm-hmm. The seventh heaven. Mm, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? No, I agree. I agree. It's it's I think the reason why people don't talk about it is because it's unclear and it feels like a red herring and it's really hard to hold on to, right? Like this particular part is is certainly hard to preach. And so it's like, all right, well, let's skip to what's what is preachable, right? Because I was tempted to be like, let's just skip to six, like, or let's just get away from, you know, this part. Cause it's, cause like, what is this? What is this even, right? What we know is that numbers are typically like hyperbolic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so do, like, does that apply here? I mean, there's just so much here that it's like, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, what is this and why does it matter other than, okay, you've helped me see this is, this is Paul, you know, playing coy and like doing this humble brag about all of these divine experiences he's had because he's so saved. And like, I guess to your point, making the point of like, the past doesn't matter. The fact that I'm Liddy and like have been to the third heaven, <laughs> that don't matter. Let's talk about right now. I, you know, that's like, ah, you know, what do you do with that? So I get why people skip it. Yeah. One of the commentaries I read was like, there's a time to be humble. And then there is a time to just show off everything you have to like, because people aren't listening to you and you got to get their attention sometimes. Um, so are we, are we ready for context? I think we have to be right. Because this is um, reminding folks, this is a letter, right? Is, is what we're taught. This is a letter um, to the Church of Corinth from Paul. Um, and is it now you're going to correct me? Because I'm thinking the reason why he's talking about this and the reason why he gets into, and I'm like pulling this from class, the reason why he, you know, 11 through 13, talking about the other apostles is because they're starting to like follow other people, right? And they're following the other people because they're like more shiny. And so Paul's like... I'm lit, but that don't even matter. Like, is that is that even close to the content? Yeah. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Isaiah's face because I'm over here making hand motions rolling my neck and Isaiah's like, mm, mm. <laughs> No, it's totally, you're totally right. I was just reading the passage that you were talking about while you were telling me things. Um, yeah, you're totally right. Basically, in second corinthians we've got like he's been gone for a while and there's been a letter in between they like had some sort of dispute and made up and then uh now this letter is coming after some new cool disciple or new cool apostles who have um letters of recommendation and really great speaking skills and they're you know, performing miracles and the church in, in Corinth is like, well, how about some of that? We want some of that. And now Paul is like, no, no. Remember, remember me, remember what I'm telling you. Um, sure, I can do miracles. I've I've seen some stuff, but like that's not what's really important though. What's really important is suffering. 
why why does he want to make that point what's important is suffering because the people are suffering um that's a good question in this letter it doesn't seem like they necessarily are um i i don't remember them being in a particularly bad way um they're having conflict within their church and because of this like leadership dispute but they're not being particularly persecuted from the outside as far mm-hmm. as I know. Okay. I feel like Paul is always sort of playing defense in that this mission can't fail, right? Because he has put everything on changing his life and doing this God thing. And so I wonder if he's trying to prime people for if and when things do get bad, because the nature of the human condition then and now, this is you know what we were talking about that at the top of the recording with me is like, sometimes things suck. And I wonder if, you know, certainly I'm probably imputing my own stuff, but I wonder if this is sort of just a priming for like, and remember, because he has seen other churches being, be in a bad way. Right. And he himself has been in a bad way. And so I'm wondering if this is sort of, I mean, this gets into the bad theology, right. But I'm wondering if this is just sort of an effort to sort of prime so that people don't bail on God when things are tough, mm. if you tell them, no, 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 this is a part of it and there's glory in it, right? Then they're, then they're more likely to stay, which, which helps his whole mission, right? And life's work. Does that make sense is what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it makes sense. And I think it's also like how, like you said, he's been through some stuff and that's what he's in part talking about is like, you know, in chapter 11, he goes through what he considers to be his credentials, which are basically like, look, I, you know, here's who I was before. And now here's all of the ridiculous stuff that I've been through because of my conversion, because I, you know, love God in this particular way now. Uh like those are my credentials. My credentials are being shipwrecked and beaten and thrown in prison. And all of it was for God. And like, he has to make meaning of why he was shipwrecked and thrown in prison. And his credentials are like, are that he's really, really in it. Cause it's not just because of the miracles. It's not just like, oh, you know, I'm getting paid for this. Um, that's another thing that he has that's another beef he has with the super apostles is that they're happy to be paid by the church and they say that it's an it's a demonstration of love that they are um, that the church is providing for them and that they're willing to be provided for and so there's like a mutuality there that's the super apostles argument and paul is like so sorry that i'm working my ass off over here just to like be with you for free like didn't know that I was causing you such you know such offense by not taking your money like and I think we could have conversations about you know compensating pastors fairly and all of that but like what he's sort of getting at is like he's not in it for the glory Um, And if a mystical experience comes, that's great. But like, there are plenty of times when 
that's not actually what's happening. What's happening is he's being beaten and he's still in it. And what do we do with that? Mm. There's so much in my world, at least, and in my lived experience, you know, like in my sort of world where it's like, I'm down because I did this, this and this, right? Whether yeah. it's like street culture, gang culture, hustle culture, corporate culture, certainly public defender culture, right? I'm down for the cause. I don't make no money. I go to the jail. I sacrifice my life during COVID. Oh, I'm thug. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. And that itself can become toxic. Mm -hmm. Because then it becomes a like race to the bottom and like a pissing contest about like who's, who's more down. Yeah, I definitely see that in Paul. I definitely see that. And, and it's like, later a couple, you know, a century or two later, they have to be careful there. People are writing letters to the churches saying like, please do not intentionally set yourself on fire in order to become a saint in order to become a martyr like yeah like because the, it it does become a race to the bottom of like well if i get you know intentionally like turn myself into the authority so that i get eaten by lions like god will love me more and that's not true yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. i think i was what was I listening to? A sermon, but it's all over social media again in like my space or my world. But I think again, this is a way that black folks in this country cope also, right? So now moving to what I call the core of the text, why I picked it, the thorn in my side. It's this idea of like, I need to explain why life is hard. Hmm. And I need to explain why these burdens that I carry haven't gone away. I need to be able to explain why from chattel slavery to now, things don't feel as good as they could be, right? I need to explain how there's still a God through all these movements. I need to explain how, and, and the explanation is when I'm weak, God is strong, right? I'm gonna boast in my weaknesses. I'm gonna boast about how I came from the bottom, right? I'm gonna boast about how yeah, we're we're still fighting this, this, and this, but look at us. I'm gonna right, I'm gonna boast about all of these young black women who are qualifying for the Olympics while having, you know, difficult life experiences. Those are just the thorns in the side. And that's what made them great. That weakness is what made them great, right? Because because God's power was able to shine through. And and we are black people, we are so resilient and we're so wonderful and we're so great. And they can't keep us down and they can't hold us down. And yeah, we, you know, we have these things that they're just the thorns in our side and God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Feels dangerous. I understand the coping, right? We need it. And I'm not indicting the coping. What I am indicting is us not identifying it as such. Mm. Because I don't want a God who gives me a thorn in my side to make me weak so that that God can be shown as strong I don't want it such that the only reason why I'm able to do anything is because God is like like I like I like that feels abusive right I don't want a God who has to dim my light in order to shine it doesn't change your point but like the thorn comes from Satan 
doesn't come from God. It but God is, doesn't take it away. But God doesn't take it away. And the way Paul understands it is like, I have this thorn so that I remain humble. So that's sort of mixing the messages of like, well, it came from Satan, but God, but God, like similar to, to Job, like gave permission for it to be there. Yeah. For God's glory. I mean, it seems like it is just true that like God doesn't take bad things away from us. And so we have to understand, well, what does God do instead? Like, okay. Okay. Like maybe it's descriptive rather than like it like Okay. No, I like this. I like this. And maybe maybe Paul is coping too, you know? Mm-hmm. Because Paul doesn't understand why bad things happen any more than we do. Um he just started writing letters before we did. <laughs> Like, he doesn't have, I mean, he had some mystical experiences, but other people have mis- mystical experiences, too. It's not just Paul, right? right? Right. Like, he's one of the first people to do theology, but he doesn't actually have special access to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he's also just trying to think through, why is it, if I've given my all, that bad things are still happening to me? Mm-hmm. That I have some type of thing going on in my life that I want to be rid of, that I can't seem to shake, whether mm-hmm. that is physical or something else. Like, we don't know what it is. That he makes a connection between that and the weakness that he sees in Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't directly, he's not directly talking about the cross in this particular passage but for Paul that's always that's always on his mind is is Jesus crucified and resurrected in the same sort of moment um and so he's linking the power of God that that shows up in the weakness of Jesus on the cross with his own mm. the like the the weakness that he's encountering in his own life and the power that comes through God's power that that shows up in that moment does that make any sense this is it that's it that you you resolve the issue in this text for me because that's it that's the resolution is that if we we can see this as not a bad theology of saying God sort of causes this like you need, you need, you need to be in pain in order, in order to access God's power. But instead, when you are in pain, which is inevitable, that is the human condition. Guess what? God's power is there in your weakness. And those are two very different interpretations. One is oppressive and one is liberating. Mm-hmm. And I do think you pointing out, well, well, the thorn comes from Satan. And however we, we want to understand that is different and does allow us to, to read this text in the more liberating way, in a more liberating way, because then it is not about God causing it so that God's powers is seen, right? Then it's not about a God who is mean or petty or is a bully. It's about a God who is, who is good and ever present. 
And when we throw in the contextual understanding, the imagery that Paul is trying to evoke of Jesus on the cross, absolutely, right? The, the use of thorn and side, when we know Jesus was pierced in the side and had the crown of thorns, it's absolutely a nod to the cross. And if we're saying, listen, even in that weakness, God's, God's power is perfect, right? That's the point that, that Jesus was able to defeat death, that no manner of harm was greater than God's power. That then is a whole new way of seeing this text. And if what Paul is trying to get at is like, hey, God, God still got you. Like it's, it's still possible, right? We can overcome. The, bl- the blood still works, if you will, because I'm Baptist, right? <laughs> then that's a really, really redeeming narrative. I would argue, I maintain it's perhaps a bit muddied by Paul's pettiness. <laughs> Um, Paul still Paul. Yeah. You know, it's this beautiful notice sandwiched in between <laughs> Paul being petty. That's, but that is really liberating and, and a beautiful way to read this text and in a way that you have just redeemed the text for me because I thought I had to throw it away. Cause I was like, what we not going to do is this whole, like, you need, you need to be in pain to get your breakthrough type of thing. You know, there's a whole lot of that. And I reject that theology. And this text it doesn't have to be read that way. I think what you're talking about is something that you're right, is super common. And that's something that I have struggled with a lot in my life as well, is this idea that like to be a good Christian or to be a good, um, to care about justice or that you suffer, that you, that you, you know, deprive yourself of, of good things because you think that's what God wants. Um, and, and that has a lot of precedent in, um, church history really. Um, but I, I think you're right that like, that's not, that's, that's an oppressive theology, um, that God wants good things for us. God made creation good. And God didn't make us to suffer, um, but we do suffer. And if we link our suffering to Jesus's, if we understand that Jesus suffers with us um, because we suffer, like Jesus takes that on, the Jesus's power becomes our power. Mm. Mm. Woo. Amen and Ashe. Jesus' power becomes our power. Consistent with the text, consistent with the promise of Jesus, you'll do greater, right? You'll do greater things than these. Mm-hmm. Woo! That's what's good about Paul is that he has that in mind. That, you know, there is so much pettiness in Paul, and there is, he's a passionate, inconsistent, brilliant like always fighting with somebody kind of got guy and like god works through him to say what is really true and that meta story gives me comfort too you know mm-hmm. that like sometimes you gotta dig to figure out what's good news in paul mm-hmm. but like 
I don't know, like God works through Paul. Feels like meta good news. Because if God can work through Paul. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like context, I, f- I feel like gave me a really big breakthrough today because I was very concerned that we were going to have to throw this text away. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful that we don't have to. And that doesn't mean that like people aren't still interpreting it in a way that I think is improper, but that is to say there, there's a new different, there are more options than the oppressive way. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And I guess what I'll take from this is like, yeah, in my work context or in my life context, there are more options than the oppressive way. So I'll remain hopeful that those are made manifest to me. Yeah. Thanks, friend. Hooray. Hooray. So whether you are in your weakness or you are caught up into paradise, go. Live as free people. God's power is present. God's power is promised. So keep the faith, baby. Under God was created by Jackie Newsom and Isaiah Lewis. Our music is by Broke for Free. Don't forget about the context.